Welcome back to another episode of the Colin Cernelia Podcast on the Talent 409 Network. At Talent 409, we help high school and collegiate athletes discover their talent altitude through workshops and seminars while increasing their opportunities for success on and off the field. Talent altitude is the idea that player development is more than just physical. Learning traits and qualities related to Leadership development will help you in competition on and off the field and also prepare you for life after sports. In addition to student-athletes, we work with coaches and administrators at the high school and collegiate level to enhance their education on how they can positively impact the performance of their teams and programs. This episode brought to you by Taylor Digital. Taylor Digital is a virtual design company that helps solopreneurs get established online with a cohesive image so they can feel more confident in their business. Taylor Digital offers branding, social media design, and Squarespace website design. Go to taylordigital.com today to set up your free consultation. And if you're looking for proof in the pudding, just take a look at my logo. It's great, isn't it? Done by Taylor Digital. Check them out today. And just a reminder, if you are a high school or collegiate level student athlete, coach, or administrator, and you'd like a free 30-minute consultation with me, get in touch and we can sync up and figure something out. This podcast is available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If you have time, please take a minute and give it a five-star rating and review. Tell me what you like and what you don't like about the show. Hopefully it's just what you like. But this helps me grow and make sure the content... I'm providing you is of the maximum value. Today's solo pod, we're going to be focusing on my story, uh, more specifically my experiences with leadership prior to me launching Talent 409. So we're going to take a deep dive into that. Sit back, relax, hope you enjoy the show, but first, it's boss time. Welcome back, everyone. On today's pod, I'm going to take time to tell the story of my leadership experience. And the reason I'm going to do this is because I think it's important for my listeners and for the people I work with now and in the future to really know about my past experiences that led to this current venture with Talent 409. And so we're going to take a dive, an inside listen to my experiences. Uh, my personal quick intro uh, slash elevator pitch is that I'm a former athlete that competed at the collegiate level with the Penn State Scranton baseball team. Once my playing days ended, my passions ultimately led me to a desire to work with athletes, coaches, and administrators and guide them through their developmental and mental sides of the game. Obviously, there was a roughly six, seven, eight year period between college and where I am today and a lot of those experiences came during that time but going back while I was growing up and competing in athletics it wasn't always clear to me that winning and losing weren't the only purpose of playing the game. 
sure, I had coaches that said they cared about more than just winning and that it was important for them to build a culture that we as a team felt inclusive of, but more often than not, the demands to win the game outweighed any momentum we ever had at attaining the bigger picture to competition athletics. I've always had a curious mind and I have long been enamored with how leaders do their jobs effectively and how teams build cultures that make the people in them feel safe and trusted. Personally, I've spent time in three different leadership positions throughout my life. The first was in high school as co-captain of the varsity baseball team. The second was as the leader of a Fortune 500 financial company and the third as the manager of a restaurant where not only did I supervise the day-to-day operations of the restaurant back in Syracuse, but I also oversaw opening a brand new restaurant in Rochester back in uh, 2011, I believe it was. I want to spend most of today's pod breaking down my three past leadership roles, what the experiences were like, what I learned, and how I apply everything to my content today. Let's start with the furthest back experience when I was co-captain of the varsity baseball team at Liverpool High School. This was my first true leadership experience where I was old enough to recognize the impact my words and actions could actually have on a team. It was also my first taste into how difficult leadership and leading actually was. Some background. During my junior year, my team won the sectional championship and we came within a strike two times of going to the state final four. It was a bitter ending to an otherwise great team season, but going into my senior year, we felt confident in our ability to repeat as section champions and get further to our goal of a state championship. After all, we returned something like 11 or 12 seniors to the roster. Uh, There was a lot of anticipation going into the 2007 season. I know I'm dating myself there. But before I jump too far into 2007, I want to go back to the year before, 2006. As a competitive person that had enjoyed a fair amount of athletic success up to that point, I completely expected to be an integral part of the varsity team. A couple years prior, I was asked to switch positions from second base to shortstop, and I was called up to the JV squad my freshman year, one of four people to be called up and do that. Admittedly, I had struggled that freshman season, and my dreams of playing varsity by my sophomore year were really just put on hold at that point. I played another year of JV in 10th grade, rebounded nicely, and felt confident that I could contribute at the next level. There was one huge obstacle, or rather person, that stood in my way, Matt Wessinger, who my teammate and would later go on to play professionally in the Colorado Rockies organization. All of a sudden, because of Matt, I was leapfrogged by a player. Matt was one year younger than I was, and I was relegated to the bench because we had a really deep team. We had just won sectionals the year before and come within a strike of going to the Final Four. I'm not going to go too deep into details of that season, 
in 2006, but what I do want to highlight is my exit interview with my head coach, Fred Terzini. All season long during my junior year, I had limited playing opportunities. But when I did play, I performed extremely well. For example, my first start at shortstop while Matt was pitching, in my first at bat, I hit a three-run homer off the All-State Pitcher of the Year from Fowler, which is a city school uh, in the city of Syracuse. I also made all of my plays in the field that day before being replaced by Wessinger late in the game once he was done pitching. The next game, I didn't play at all, nor did I really play the rest of the season. But my other highlight from personal highlight from that season came in the regional game in Binghamton. Wes cut himself up pretty good early in the game after sliding into a base and he had to come out of the game because he was bleeding. Going into that game, the only time I really expected to get on the field was a late inning pinch running opportunity. That was where I was used the most during the season and then all of a sudden, I was thrust into the biggest game of my career with little to no prep time. And I shined. I made two backhand plays in my two innings in the field and was slated to come to bat to lead off the next inning. Coach came over in the dugout, put his hand on my shoulder, and he didn't even need to say anything because I knew what was coming next. I was out of the game. Coach thanked me for my efforts and told me Wes had got stitched up and was going to take his place back in the game. High school rules, at least back then, allowed you to come back into a game in which you started, but if you did not start, once you came out, you were completely done. So there I was, in the fourth inning of the game, done. Honestly, it was one of the most terrible feelings I've ever had, personally, but I stayed in the dugout with my teammates, I cheered everyone on, I was supportive, I didn't let my personal disappointment show, and I think for the first time I really flexed my leadership muscles during that game. Now back to the exit interview. As Coach was going through his feedback to me, he said something that I still haven't forgotten to this day. He said to me that more than anyone else he had ever coached up to that point, he had never had a player more prepared to contribute to the, to the team's success when called on. So let me repeat that. He said to me that up until that point, he had never had a player who was more prepared to contribute to the team success as I was when I came into games. And I wasn't a starter, and I always came off the bench, but I was always there, ready to perform. And for the most part, I did just that. And that was pretty cool to hear. At the time, it didn't take the sting out of being taken out of that regional game, but I knew where he was coming from, and I appreciated that he recognized my efforts throughout a personally difficult season for me. I was a team player, and I wanted to win more than anything else. And Coach could see that more than anything else about my performance. Now we jump back to my senior year. Senior year is a weird time. It's high school. It's the life of a teenager. There's change on the horizon, but you're the top dog. Insecurities are still rampant, and social media had really just started to get on the scene. Again, I know I'm dating myself, but as a group of seniors on a baseball team that came within a strike of the Final Four, there was a lot of cockiness. 
it was apparent pretty early on during our off-season training that success had gotten the best of us, or the best of a lot of us, and made us a bit more complacent. At one point, it got so bad that we actually had to track the number of people that came to off-season workouts because we needed to hit a certain threshold in order to get to our annual spring break trip in Myrtle Beach. As the season started, the cockiness was briefly replaced by enthusiasm and optimism, but we stumbled early a couple of times and the level of complacency began to grow. We as a team, and I'm including myself in this because I was a leader and thus I was responsible for the overall message and culture of the team, we thought we could flick a switch whenever we wanted to and perform. All season long, there were breaking points of frustration in practice and in games. I remember players didn't want to carry equipment or help clean up and take care of the field. Nobody wanted to spend time with each other after games or after school or practice. And there was just a lot of strained relationships going on. We ended up being bounced very early that sectional tournament in a game where we lost the lead in the final innings to the eventual state champion Utica Proctor, our heated rival who we defeated the season prior for the sectional championship and had since played two other times with some pushing and shoving involved each time. If the season's ending the year before felt bitter, this one hurt, but there was almost this sense of just a flame that burned out and was completely gone. We were a senior heavy team led by four senior captains and all season long we dealt with frustration and inconsistency only to see our season end in the first round of sectionals. What did I learn from this experience? Mainly that I wasn't ready to be a full-fledged leader or maybe that I wasn't ready to be the leader that was needed for that team in that season. As an athlete and as a professional, I've always been more of a lead-by-example type of person, but I was on a team that was selfish and didn't care what I was doing. I was one person. There was 18 or 19 others on the team, and I'm not saying everyone on the team was selfish. I still have friends from that baseball team, you know, and time has passed, and I don't think it's the wounds are quite as deep as they were for some of these things, but we were irresponsible. And, and honestly, that's just what it felt like most days. Like, I'm just being real. And I didn't have the fortitude or the confidence to speak up and say what was needed, have the tough conversations. I just let things go. And I wasn't a good leader as a result. It's a really humbling experience to reflect back on now because I often think how different things may have been had I been more willing to step up and be the vocal leader my team needed someone to be. I'm not saying you always need to be rah-rah. In fact, I think that type of quote-unquote leadership is extremely overvalued and ineffective most times. But there are specific situations that call for a closed-door team meeting, an airing of grievances, if you will, for all you Seinfeld fans. Basically, as a team, we didn't trust one another, and as a result, we underperformed as a team and didn't meet our ultimate goal of winning a state title. Leadership 1, Colin 0. My next opportunity to work in a leadership capacity came at Quaker Steak and Lube. Once I was done with school, I was promoted to a manager role, which I was actually quite proud of given 
that I had been in the industry since I was 15, washing dishes and worked my way to what was middle management, basically. Before I was promoted, I had actually been a temporary supervisor for the opening of a new Quaker Steak and Lou in Rochester, New York, where I got to work with the servers team and train them the corporate policies and also teach them from my personal experiences on the floor back in the Syracuse restaurant. And that was a really cool experience and paved the way for me and to have that desire to, again, be in management in a permanent capacity one day. About three months after my promotion, I was asked to go back out to Rochester. It had been just over a year since the restaurant officially opened, but they were struggling big time with sales and leadership. So corporate actually had made the decision to fire all the people in leadership positions while retaining the rest of the staff and sent me and the assistant GM, Anna, of the Syracuse Lube location to take charge of a rebuilding project at the Rochester location. And we were out there for the entire month of October, and I believe this was 2012. In sports, you hear about rebuilding projects all the time, and I think people assume that it's an easy thing to do. It's almost like we've disinfected ourselves of just how hard it is to build a successful franchise in sports or an organization in the corporate world. Let me be the first to say from personal experience that rebuilding is messy, it's experimental, and it is all time consuming. For an entire month, my boss would work the open shift at around six, seven o'clock in the morning until about three to five at night. And I would work from 2 p.m. until we closed some nights, not until you know, 2 a.m. or so. It was really a vicious cycle for my body. Plus, we were being tasked with identifying if we could replace leadership internally or if we needed to go external and completely clean house. Long story short, we attempted to be nice which I don't know was necessarily the right thing to do, but we attempted to be nice and give the existing staff chances, but it was pretty clear early on that they were not bought into our new vision, which we took a lot of what we were successful with in Syracuse and we're applying them now to the Rochester location. And by the time the month came to a close, that month of October, I think about only 10% of the entire staff remained. One of the most important people was actually the kitchen manager, which it was ironic. The one area in Syracuse that we were struggling at the time was with our kitchen leadership. And if we could have taken Phil, who was in Rochester, and brought him to Syracuse, it would have alleviated a lot of problems that we had back home. But anyways, the situation reminds me a lot of the New York football giants and the turnover that they've experienced from last season to this season. Not only was there a change in leadership, but only about 25% of the players that were on the roster in 2017 remain today. That's unheard of in sports, and it's probably unheard of in the corporate world for the most part. In our situation, it was sorely needed. And I can't speak specifically for the Giants, but I assume that they felt the same way last season as we did. The biggest takeaway I got from this experience with Quaker Steak and Lube was becoming okay with the fact that not everybody is going to like you. This was important because as a leader, I needed to be consistent with my message. 
we changed an awful lot of policies and processes at the restaurant and there was a lot of pushback from the staff and a lot of resistance to the changes. It was hard to see people leave every day. But we knew in order for the restaurant to recover long term, the changes needed to be made and we could find people that were willing to abide if the current staff wasn't. It's funny, in the beginning of my time at the Rochester location, nobody wanted to talk to me. They didn't want to share any thoughts or ideas or spend any time with me in the little time outside of work that I had. By the end of my tenure there, the employees were confiding in me. They were inviting me out for post-work drinks. And the overall feeling inside the restaurant had done a complete 180. We had gotten the staff and the leaders. We brought in to trust our message and in return they worked harder were happier and were more willing to engage i think i proved to myself that what i didn't do in high school i was now able to do with another chance and a few more years of life experience i had tied the score up finally my last big corporate opportunity to work in a leadership capacity wouldn't come until i was working for mutual of omaha back in Syracuse. This was my first recruiting job and about six months into my tenure there, the other recruiter that was on the leadership team with me resigned to take a new role. About a month later after that, the GM who had been with the company for 20 plus years, and he had been the one that actually helped get me the job in the first place, he resigned. And finally to uh, complete the trio, a couple of months after that, the district sales manager who had been with the company for 10 plus years also resigned to do his own gig. He's actually my financial advisor to this day. Shout out to Scotty. When I first began at Mutual of Omaha, there was a lot of excitement for growing the best sales team in the country. We had added a second recruiter in me that was one of the first locations of all the Mutual of Omaha's to do that. So we were four strong on the leadership team and we had a hungry squad of existing insurance agents doing good business. But eight to nine months later, everything had crumbled and changed, and I was left standing all alone and expected to run the day-to-day -day operations of a Fortune 500 branch while my boss was thousands of miles away in Omaha. It was a daunting situation. When I first found out corporate wanted me to take charge while they trained an internal internal employee to be manager actually forced him to train he quit shortly after i left we when i found out i decided the first thing i wanted to do was get the pulse of the company so i put together a survey printed it out put it on everyone's desk and asked them to complete it by the end of the week the feedback i got was extremely telling people were not happy but this was great because now i knew I wasn't making assumptions, and best of all, I could help and set things up in a way that made them happier during the transition and kept them productive. That was the most important thing I was tasked with, keeping the branch productive. I wasn't given a pay raise, a change in title, or any type of recognition, but I was asked to lead, and I like to think that I was more ready and able to step up to the plate for this opportunity than I was at any other point in my life before that. There was camaraderie and trust. People felt safe. They would 
come to me with concerns and they would invite me out for events even though I was their quote-unquote manager it felt good to know that I could handle a fortune 500 company and keep them afloat while they looked for more permanent solutions to leadership in the future as I sit here and reflect on the experiences, there is one constant that is a part of every situation, successful or not, and that is trust. Trust is one of the most important things you will need to have on your team in order to successfully lead. If you don't have trust, things will crumble. My varsity baseball team is a great example of that. We also learned today that you have to be willing to have tough conversations and, if need be, let people move on. It may sound harsh, but especially in the corporate world, there are ways to let people go because you know they aren't a fit and can find something better. There are ways to do that and not be an asshole or leave them out to dry. It's called a severance package. In sports, it can be a bit more difficult to let somebody go, especially at the amateur level because there may not be another opportunity or you may discourage somebody from continuing to play, and that's not what we want. But again, there are ways to make it the least messy of situations if it did come to that. And that starts with having a straightforward conversation, much like Coach Terzini had with me, and giving them feedback on what they need to improve on so they aren't left wandering. That's trust. Finally, I hope this pod highlights that leading is damn hard to do. So don't take the people that have, most of the time, earned their way to the top for granted. It is hard to lead, it is hard to be consistent, it is hard to be fair and be disciplined. It is hard to be successful. If this was all easy, you wouldn't be listening to my pod or reading books on leadership or attending conferences, things like that. Leadership is hard, but that doesn't mean it can't be done well. Thanks again for taking some time to listen to the Colin Cernelia podcast on the Talent 409 Network. Again, if you are a high school or collegiate level student athlete, coach, or administrator, and you'd like to get a free 30-minute consultation, get in touch with me and we will sync up. This episode, once more, was brought to you by Taylor Digital. Taylor Digital is a virtual design company that helps solopreneurs Get established online with a cohesive image so they can feel more confident in their business. Take a look at my logos. Take a look at my website. You'll like it. Check Taylor Digital out, www.taylordigital.com. Thanks for taking some time to listen today. We have another guest coming on next week, so stay tuned for that. In the meantime, take it easy. So